Blog Talk Radio. Ray and Tay today. Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on from the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day, college football, we know who's number one, understand, on the phones, you know we get it done, so call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and we are hyped up on this wild card weekend Friday to talk some sports with you. Give us a call, 718-664-9098. Always your emails, today at gmail.com. The website, rayandtaytoday.com. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, iTunes. We are here for you. And the rain is here in the West Coast. Clemson and Bama have landed out here in Arizona. People are getting hyped. That's a Monday show. This weekend, it's football and Hall of Fame. We're hyped up, Ray. Let's start with the Hall of Fame in both sports. And we start with two amazing gentlemen that we send our props and applause to. We watch them. One, Ken Griffey, Jr., the most pure swing, Ray, that we grew up watching and loved, and Mike Piazza. You know they're going in as Mets and Mariners. And the thing that I want to ask you is, one, could you find those three guys that didn't vote for Griffey? And two, (laughs) should Piazza have gotten in even earlier, probably being the best hitter, catcher ever, even better than the great Johnny Bench or Colin Fisk? So probably yes on Piazza, but you know what? There's been a sniff and rumors of performance-enhancing drugs with him, which is too bad. And that's why, you know, I hate to bring this back to PEDs, but you know what? Oh, it's always like. I feel like you got to let them all in and just say, like Al Troutwick said, go back to our episode with him. I thought it was great. The whole era is tainted. And can I say for sure that, that even Griffey Jr., I mean, I don't want to start rumors, right, but can I say for sure that Griffey Jr. didn't use performance-enhancing drugs? No. Do I but think at least he, he had so? the normal trajectory of getting hurt in your 30s, which he went through, like players sure. did. Sure, sure. You know? But – uh, you know, I think it's too much. I think that, it, you know, it's too much to ask the writers to try to determine who they think was on steroids and who wasn't on steroids. So, to me, you just... And they kind of the go with who they field. like. Yeah, yeah, you level the playing field and you say, these guys performed at a level that they are on par to be Hall of Famers. So, the interesting thing is there was only two Hall of Famers this year in baseball, and that was the, yeah. you know, they need, you need to be 75%. So, it was... Piazza and obviously Griffey at 99.3, so three, what was it, 437 out of 440. But the next and few guys are very interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you what you think about the next guys because yeah, it's so quite a list. Guys, Go ahead. Are, yeah, so that, that starts to get real interesting. So obviously you had Bonds and Clements in there. Uh, you know, they right improved. You had you had bat- they moved up, so so people are starting to come around on them. They're around fifty, sixty percent each of them. You had Bagwell in there. 
And seventy-one point six. He yeah, was third. You had guys like Tim Raines. Tim Raines, Rock Raines. Oh, Ray, Rock, let's be honest. Right. He should be in because I think people are starting to. They're getting a little crazy because they're remembering him with the Yankees. This guy, this is his ninth year. And if you remember him with the Expos, he was dominant, base stealer. And if you add his base stealing and walks, it's up there with Tony Gwynn and all the other uh, you know, great hitters. Everybody says, oh, he didn't have 3,000 hits. Well, guess what? He wasn't that far away. But if you add the walks, he had over 3,000. And he was a great player. Tim Raines was. was great for the Expos. 69.8%. So he's getting close. But I think – now, is next year his last year with the 10? Because I know they I switched so. it from 15 to 10, and I think he's part of that switch. I know Alan Trammell, unfortunately, is off the ballot. This was last year. But I, let me ask you this. Are you a little pissed off that somebody like Jim Edmonds is off the ballot after only one season? When if you look at the, all the metrics and stats, he's actually grades well as a center fielder. I, I know you heard the stat. It's only now Griffey makes the, only the fourth center fielder in the last, what, 35 to 40 years that's gotten in. Edmonds is gone after one year. That's crazy. You need, I think, I 13% or 15%. Or he only had 2.5%. So Edmonds is one and done. That's like, I don't know. What do you think about I mean, Hoffman and Wagner and Lee Smith? Let's look at the, the, the bullpen guys. So I've got to say Lee Smith going that, into his last year. Yeah, Lee Smith's going into his last year. I think Hoffman also, he's, he's what, third or fourth year on the ballot. But these guys need to be in the Hall of Fame because, you know, to me, very simply, you have to have dominated your position. No, no, and, Hoffman and Wagner, this is their first year. This is Hoffman's first year. Yeah, yeah, sorry. And Wagner, too, yeah. I think you had to have dominated your position. And Trevor Hoffman had 500 saves. So he dominated his position in the National League. He was getting – I mean, he was – Mariano was the man in the American League, and he was the man in the National League. And so he needs to be in the And not always the best team. Yeah. Not always the best team, exactly. He did get to one World Series and lost to Mariano, and the Yankees got swept for nothing. But at the end of the day, when you thought to yourself, who were the top two, three, four relievers of the era that he played in, he was one of them. So, yes, he absolutely needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Now, some of the baseball purists don't like the one-inning save and the fact that the game has changed and become so specialized. But you know what? That's the game that he plays in. That's the era that he plays. He can't control that. (laughs) He can't control that. All you can do is perform, and that's all he did. And so he absolutely dominant. needs to be in he the He was Hall dominant. Yeah. You're totally right. He was dominant. I, I got to say, Lee Smith and Billy Wagner, hmm, they're borderline. But, you know, if you're going to really respect the reliever position, Lee Smith and Wagner, to me, were very impressive. Lee Smith, obviously, he's you know, been around for 14 years on the ballot. So he's kind of, you know, in that question mark. When you look at the starting pitchers, Schilling and Messina, they seem like they are going to have to wait. Schilling, it's his fourth year of waiting. Um, he got 52%. It's interesting percent. you would think that he would have gotten in just because of his I think playoff, Schilling's a Hall of he's, – he's so clutch, and he had, he had so many – I don't know. He had at least four or five dominant, like legendary seasons. And then what does he have, two World Series rings? Yeah. So and uh, that he was a huge part of. I mean, the Red Sox, sure, the and Sox, he went and he went and the with, the, with the Phillies too. 
Yeah. So he's got so another I, World Series appearance. No, you're 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 right. Now let me ask you this. This one is a little bit more controversial. Where do you see Fred McGriff and Edgar Martinez? I think they're disrespecting Fred McGriff. His seventh year, he only got uh, 20% of the vote. And then Edgar Martinez, you know, maybe the best DH ever, this seventh year, and he got 43%. Are they Hall of Fame players? So I don't lose sleep over the fact that they're not in the Hall of Fame. I think they're both very very good. good players. I think Freddie McGriff, unlike Trevor Hoffman, when you looked at Freddie McGriff, you thought this was a very good player, but you didn't really scheme around Freddie McGriff. You didn't really say to yourself, you know what, he's going to carry this team. And you have to intentionally was, walk him. He was really good. And in an yeah. era when there were a lot of good first basemen, he was among the top five to ten. But you never really thought of him as a top three, top four guy. So, That's to fair. me, he's the ultimate borderline. And then Edgar Martinez, you know what? That's a philosophical question. Because yeah, that's hard. You, look, David Ortiz is going to hold Just played a little bit. Played a couple of years at third. Right, but he played a right. couple of years at third base, but mainly a DH. It's ultimately, do you let a DH in the world? I mean, if you talk about they don't like specialization with the one-inning save. Oh, right. yeah. Talk about a DH going to the Hall of Fame. And, again, David Ortiz is – is he's in a class by himself because of his postseason and, and that World Series where he had softball numbers, you know, three World Series. That's crazy. So he's going to the Hall of Fame. But Edgar Martinez will be, until David Ortiz gets in, Edgar Martinez will be the only guy that will be a pure DH that will be well, on Frank the Well, Frank Thomas, first base, but Frank Thomas played some DH. You know, he played I mean, some DH, but he played many, many years and many, many innings at, at first base. So it's not like okay. this, this guy was – Rocking most of his career as a DH. And Mucina, I think he got 43%. I would say he's not a Hall of Famer. See, I, I don't think thought. he's a Hall I of Famer. He, and, I don't think so and either. And especially as a Yankee fan, year. he was he was on a Hall of Fame trajectory in Baltimore and then came to the Yankees. And, you know, he was a second, third starter. Okay. He, he yeah. never really put the Yankees on his back. He never really was super clutch in the playoffs. We needed him he in gave that you innings. Free World That's Series. the best thing I could say about him. He, he gave had a seven, eight pitches. The one thing I remember about Mucina when they took that trip to Japan, when the Yankees and, and all these teams started playing oh, overseas, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was all complaining like, oh, my routine got messed up, and, you know, <laughs> I, I'm off schedule. I'm like, come on, everybody else is on that yeah. same plane with you. It's difficult, but you know what? Figure it out. You're a professional ball yeah. player. Come on. No, no, no. no. Okay, Lola, before we leave baseball and we go, I got one more question about Hall of Fame and one more about current guys. So three guys we have not mentioned yet, and I want to see what you think about them. I think one of the three is a Hall of Famer. Gary Sheffield, Larry Walker, and Jeff Kent. They respectively got Kent 16%, Walker 15 and Gary 11 um, This was Gary's second year. Walker sixth and the third for Kent. I would say Walker and Kent are the Hall of Very Good, and I know that people like Kent because of the the numbers for second baseman. But he had a Hall of Fame and he had a uh, an MVP. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he did, but I just I I don't I just don't think he's a Hall of Famer. But I will say this: Gary Sheffield to me, he'd be in my Hall of Fame. I think that he's in the category, and and these guys might have cheated, so I don't know. But to me, three of the best hitters that I saw in the '90s were Gary Sheffield, um, Albert Bell, and my man um, that was from George Washington High School for the Red Sox. Uh, Manny Ramirez. What's his name? Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez. Those well, three Manny Ramirez were assassins. Well, Manny no, no, Ramirez I know. I know, Manny's special. But, 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 but wait, wait, but be fair. Sheffield, even when he was at the Marlins, came to the Yankees, different teams, Dodgers, he was dangerous with the bat in his hand. He could get a double and a triple in a second, bang opposite field homer. He hit shots, lasers. Gary was a beast. I think he, he gets disrespected. He was na- oh, and he had a good arm. I mean, I, I think they all get player. disrespected. I mean, you could argue Kent was was a Ryan Sandberg type, right? An offensive yes, second baseman fair. took an MVP away from Barry Bonds. Uh, they clashed in San Francisco <laughs> a little bit. Though. Yeah, as teammates. Just a little but bit. you know, Larry yeah. Walker was also disrespected a little bit. Now, he did big things in Montreal before that whole Great. franchise, the Expos, just went went away. And then he went to Colorado. Colorado he which was might there. have hurt him. Todd Helton, yeah. you know, is gonna the people are gonna question his his numbers. Um, yeah. there's always gonna That's be That's insane. It might it might have hurt him. Colorado yeah. might have hurt Walker. I but he was so. a great hitter for a long time. Well, let's see what happens. I, you know, I'll just I'll say this. You know, you, you kind of hope that next year they put in more than two. I'm not sure who's new on the ballot next year, but I would like to see, of course, Roger and Barry get in. And I think without question, it, it, it's time to to put in Rock Reigns, and I would put in um, Trevor Hoffman, and I guess Bagwell. I I don't love Bagwell. I'm just being honest. I, I, you know, Bagwell and BGO to me, I was like, eh, but I don't love Bagwell. But I, I guess he's a Hall of Famer because the stats were ridiculous. But that's and just my personal. He had a few dominant years. Look, I think you're also special if you win an MVP. So that means that one year, and even if it's just that one year, you were the best player in the league. That's a big mm-hmm. deal to me. So it's kind of like yeah. to, to switch sports. You know, uh, your boy, there's a couple MVPs out there, like Steve Nash. You know, for two years, and now you could argue Tim Duncan, you could argue Shaquille O'Neal could have won those MVPs. Kobe. <laughs> for two, to Kobe every year. But for two years, he was the best player in the league, or at least the MVP. That's got to be almost a ticket straight to the Hall of Fame. Because if you dominate your sport like that, I mean, isn't that what Hall of Fame is all about? Oh, so, I would agree. Anyway. So, and 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 let me in closing with baseball. I got to say this right now, and I'm glad that they're going in as as you know Griffey as a Mariner, not a Cincinnati Red. He was a true blue Mariner, and I'm happy that Piazza's going in as a Met. You know, I mean, he started as a Dodger, had a sip of water with the Marlins, but he's going in as a Met right now. If you look at the Marlins and the Mets, I threw this out there on Twitter, on their current roster, are there any players that you think will wind up in Cooperstown? Well, the Mets have those pitchers, 
So yes. if you think about yes. it, health, um, yeah. health-wise, yeah, I mean, there's no reason why. We don't know about this kid Wheeler when he comes back from injury, but certainly Syndergaard, Harvey, and the one who's got all the stuff is DeGrom. DeGrom. So those three have potential, right? But again, right. like you said, pitching's the hardest to predict because, you know, you get that uh, Tommy Johnson. Anybody or, more realistic and closer. Uh, and also the kid, uh, the kid Fernandez in in Miami. Oh, King He's Felix. The other guy. No, King Felix in Seattle. Yeah. Oh, oh, you talking Felix. about and, oh the yeah. Mariners? That's what you were talking about. Sorry, yes, the Mariners. Talking about the, uh, yeah. No, no, no. King Griffey Felix. was in the Mariners. Yeah. Uh, you know, King Felix here's is a the question. Guy. Here's a question. Robinson, Robinson Cano. Just Cano That's make the Hall of Fame? I mean, obviously he's got to play five more years at least and, and put up the numbers that he's put up. But if he continues and puts up Yankee numbers now. First year in Seattle was good. Last two years in Seattle have not been. Uh, he needs to bounce back, and they need to win. Back, he needs to get a ring, get a ring, ring. and bounce okay. back. Yeah, you got one. Uh, you don't have to get another ring, but you got to get Seattle to the playoffs. I would agree. Yeah, no. What about David Wright? No, David Wright's not all. No. Now no, he got hurt, his back, and then he moved to that. Hitter unfriendly stadium. So, but no, David Wright's not a Hall of Famer. I'm sorry. I think he's overrated. Okay. Frankly, I think he's just a a good to to slightly better than good. You know, uh, third baseman. I, I I never bought into the David Wright hype. I thought he was overrated. By very good, I mean, New good York player, media they, and the Mets fans. Yeah. yeah, they were hyping him as a as as you know better than a Rod, and and he's the third baseman of the future in New York. And no. He's a good player, at times very good player, but he's not Hall of Famer. All right, so now we've got a lot with the NFL. We've got to talk the 15 NFL finalists, some of these coaching positions, and our NFL playoff preview beginning with the wild card. You are now listening to the NFL Knocked their Hall of Fame class down to 15 gentlemen. Ray, I will let you read the list real quickly, and then we can discuss it, break it down, because we even got a kicker in the final 15. <laughs> right. So you got Morton Anderson, so in alphabetical order. Morton Anderson, yeah. kicker. Safety, Steve Atwater. Yeah. Coach, Don Coriel. Running back, Terrell Davis. Coach, Tony Dungy. Guard, Alan Fanica, close to your heart. Quarterback, Brett Favre. Linebacker slash defensive end, whatever you want to call him, Kevin Green. Wide receiver, Marvin Harrison. Tackle, Joe Jacoby. Running back, Edrin James. Free safety, John Lynch. Wide receiver, Terrell Owens. Tackle, Orlando Pace. Quarterback, Kurt Warner. So Out of that list, yeah. who surprised you the most? I mean, obviously the kicker. I mean, you know, whatever. But, like, besides the kicker, which which surprised you that they're in the final 15? I think Steve Atwater surprised me because he had several good years with Denver, and he was a really good safety. But I, 
I don't look at him as dominating that position. I look at him as a you know, very good player. So that was one. Um, mm-hmm. The rest, I thought, at times were were really, really good and, and, and dominated their position. So he was probably the one. And then I think Kevin Green. I think he bounced around a lot. He had two, three really whoa, good whoa, years. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down with that uh, one. He's see, I had third all-time. No, no, no. But he's third all-time in sacks. If you're top five in your category in history for the best stat for your category, you whether it's reception, okay, touchdowns, rushing yards, he's third. And guess what? With the Rams, Steelers, and Panthers, he made the defense better and allowed other guys to get sacks. He was a beast, Kevin Green. I think he's been disrespected. I think he's. I actually think he's a lock to get in this year. I this think they're going to. Really? Okay. He, yeah, yeah. I think Kevin Green will be one of the five. I would say this: if I had to go with my five this year, I go with obviously Brett Favre, Kevin Green. I think Terrell Owens should get in. And I think they should set a record. They've never done this, I don't think, and put in two receivers, put in uh, Harrison as well because he's waited. And then the fifth guy, to me, would either go to Kurt Warner or Orlando Pace. So you could either put in two quarterbacks, which happened, you know, with Moon and um, back-to-back years. I think it was that 04, 05 or whatever when yeah. uh, Moon and, and your boy got in and then uh, Aikman and whatever and Young. But if if I would say to me – uh, let's say Orlando Pace. Maybe Kurt Warner has to wait one more year. Yeah, I was going to say. Which is uh, not a knock. Which is not a knock. Of these but I think. People, if you're true to yeah. yourself, if you're true to yourself and you say to yourself, self, who dominated their position for for a decent amount of time? Terrell Owens. Orlando and Pace. Orlando Pace, was too, a yeah. Dominant offensive lineman. Dominant. Should have been in the Hall of Fame last yeah. year. Oh, yeah, he's he got dirt. Yeah. And obviously Brett Favre dominated. And yeah. I hold off on the coaches. I think the coaches I hold off on the coaches, and I would say Terrell Owens. I would say those are the three dominant players. Now, now Marvin Harrison was, was a very, 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 very productive player, and he will be in the Hall of Fame, and he has 143 receptions, and he set a record, and he had Peyton Manning as his guy, and Reggie Wayne across from him, and they did big things. But if you think about the guys who dominated their position, he's a slightly a hair below Terrell Owens. You didn't scheme around Marvin Harrison. You schemed around Terrell Owens. You wanted to know where he was at all times. So I would say T.O., Brett Favre, and Orlando Pace dominated their positions. And right behind them, I think Alan Fanica's not getting enough love, but right behind them is Alan Fanica oh, he behind was, he Pace. He was dominant. Behind, yeah, Fanica behind Pace, and then uh, uh, Harrison behind Owens. And I guess you're right, Kevin Green, if you look at the stats and if you look at the longevity and doing it on four different teams, uh, you know, he probably will have to wait and, and not get in this year and, and, and maybe wait a little bit, but, but probably he's, he's waited a while. I think Kevin Green, is get, he's getting in, man. I think it's the, time. The, the question is, so here's a question I'll throw out to you, is you have the Gale Sayers situation with yes. Terrell Davis Two guys. and, and – yeah. And Edrin James a little bit. By the way, Joe Jacoby uh-huh. probably needs to get a little more love with the Hogs, but we'll talk about that. But Terrell Davis and Edrin James, talk to me about those two and where you think I, they land. 
It's hard. I, I would say this. I don't think Edron's a Hall of Famer. And I loved him with Peyton, and I thought he was very versatile, and I thought he was a, a, a great back. He was, you know, I, I loved him in college and the U and all that, and I, I, he was really talented. Um, I think Terrell Davis was, when you look at his stats to Gale Sayers, there, he has more touchdowns, more rushing yards, uh, all that, more than Gale Sayers. So I think ter- and two Super Bowls, and, and he carried Elway. on his back, right? Not on he his wasn't back. A, a sidekick. Yeah, to no, no. He John Elway. John Elway and, was his sidekick. And did he? I think he got two thousand yards twice. No, 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 nobody. Or at least well, okay, got it once, once, and yeah. then he got eighteen hundred yeah. maybe. But I mean, he he was he was insane. Like Terrell Davis In the was. Membrane. He was a comet. He was a comet that came like to our earth and just like ex- exploded. And he sort of just like snatched the game over for a minute and then gave it back. He was like, uh, this is how it's done. I'll see you all later. And to me, that, that's enough for me. If you want to say that Gail Sayers is in, Terrell Davis, I could put him in this year or next year, but I think he belongs in. I agree with you about Atwater. Morton Anderson is borderline to me. Uh, even Eric Coriel's borderline as much as I love him. Dungy's a Hall of Famer eventually, but it's more for all he's done because I thought Dungy was a pretty decent player too. I think he got jerked in Tampa and he got his chip with the Colts. So I almost give him a title and a half because that Tampa team was his that Gruden got in. Um, and, yeah, Fanica is not that far behind. And Jacoby, Fanica and jo- Jacoby are definitely Hall of Fame players to me. Um, so to me, the question is, is James ever going to get in? I don't know if Edron James, he, I guess if Buss is in, you could say James is in, but James didn't remember, uh, the Colts won the Super Bowl, and then James was not there. He, he left already. So James doesn't have the jewelry and they won. And and it's almost like a knock on him because they won after he left and they won with Dominic Rhodes and Joseph Adai. So what does that say about Edron? You know what I mean? I mean, so I don't think Edron's – and I do think Lynch. Let's talk about Lynch for a second. I think Lynch needs some love, safety. He was um, he was part of one of the best defenses ever. And if you're going to put in Sapp and you put in um, our boy, Derek the Brooks. linebacker, Derek and Brooks. And then Rodney Barber is, might go in as well. Well, Barber, Barber could be first time. He, I mean, his stats are insane as a corner, Barber. He's got those Charles Woodson stats with the sacks and interceptions. So yeah. if not first, maybe second ballot. But Barber is a Hall of Famer, and I think Lynch is too. I would put Lynch in next year. But um, I think it's a tra- I would say it's a travesty if T.O. does not get in the first ballot. If they decide to not put in T.O. on some, oh, oh, you weren't nice off the field or you caused trouble in Philadelphia, that's some BS because it's not about that. This guy was dominant. And guess what? He had to come in under Jerry Rice and have his star shine learning under Jerry Rice, which some people could say that was really hard. Ask, uh, ask your boy J.J. Stokes. He couldn't handle coming in and playing with Rice or whatever. You, you know, know what and I mean? Also, so, there's plenty. And, and Terrell Owens, by all, by all reports, wasn't a bad dude. But even if he was, there are plenty of bad dudes in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, so yeah, no. He wasn't it's a bad It's all about dude. your performance on the field yeah. and – 
Terrell Owens didn't negatively impact. I mean, maybe he drew a lot of attention to himself, but he was a great right. worker. He was put in his oh, time. Yeah. Great he practice wasn't a player. Madonna. He was a Never practice arrested. player. <laughs> All he wanted was to get the, the ball. ball. Yeah. yeah. So he was. He and had that Keyshawn Johnson in him. So yeah. you know what? And the and five times better say, than Keyshawn. No disrespect to yeah. Keyshawn, but to five times better than Keyshawn. The one thing I will say about Terrell Owens, and I do think he's a Hall of Famer first ballot, just like you, but he'll be the first time wide receiver that I can remember an elite, elite, elite wide receiver that didn't drop a lot of balls. Hands. Yeah, he dropped yeah. a lot of balls. So That's fair. Uh, that would be the one knock. Like but if, if he doesn't could go catch in over the first middle, ballot, yeah, yeah. But no, he no, ran you, the route you're, tree. You're, he did everything. You're right. But, yeah, he dropped the left foot for an route. elite wide receiver. He, he, his hands were a little suspect. Hey, Ray, and let's not mention, if Donovan Mag- McNabb doesn't choke on that drive he's and the they MVP win the Super, Bowl, the Super Bowl, he's the MVP after surgery. Right. I mean, Focus what did he have, 12 back. catches? 12 Is it 12 catch. or 14 yep. catches? 12. Yeah, 12. 12 that's a record. Yeah. So to me, that's 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 uh, that's my guy right there. I think T.O. is. Uh, I think he should get in. So let's let's talk about what's happening in the NFL with these coaches, man. Now after a 10 p.m. or 10:30 <laughs> press release from the Tampa Bay Buccaneer ownership, they have decided to move on from Lovey Smith. So there's seven NFL jobs. Chip Kelly interviewed with the San Francisco 49ers. I think it's a good fit. What do you think about that, Chip Kelly and the Niners? You know what? That might be the best fit for him because they seem to have a strong ownership and a GM that is not afraid to make changes, not afraid to you know stick his neck out. And, and to have a strong team, system like they did with yeah, Jim Harbaugh. System, the defense yeah. is still pretty good. Um Big question mark with Colin Kaepernick, but you know what? Maybe you shake it up with that system. Um, I mean, I don't think Blaine Gabbert's the guy there, do you? I mean, I think no, I think he can Kaepernick. rejuvenate. I think they go back to Kaepernick, and I think Chip Kelly is, you know, he was rumored to maybe go to Philadelphia to go to Chip, and maybe Chip comes to him. I think it would be a good fit, you know, back out Oregon. to the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, he did his Oregon thing. He's a Pac-12 guy. So, yeah, maybe, maybe that's. That's where that chip falls, you know, literally. And I think <laughs> at the number seven pick, Ray, they can get him some real talent because you like Carlos Hyde, but they need a, a receiver with some serious speed, a breakaway receiver. Now, I don't know if you do that at seven or not. I mean, in the last couple of drafts, receivers have been taken high, but I think you actually have to because what do the Niners have? Anquan Bolden is, is probably going to retire or close to it, and then there's there's really nothing else. Torrey Smith didn't have a good season. He's you know really been underrated or I mean, been overrated his career. Yo, Terps, I don't know. Smith, Vernon Davis, and Torrey Smith they've been a little disappointing. We've had a bunch of other Terps like Stephon Diggs step up, but those two, I don't know. But I'll say this: to me, I look at Coleman from Baylor. Uh, our boy Dobson from uh, TCU got to get healthy, but he's going to be a stud. And then um, you look but at Shepard from those Oklahoma. Guys later in the draft, though. I think they're probably late first round or second round picks. But 
you know, I don't know. I'd like to see them get somebody there or maybe, you know, replace you, Potty, who's with the Cardinals now, get a stud lineman, you know, or maybe they go and get, you know, Robert Candici, you know, who knows. But I, I just think I could see Chip Kelly and him doing well. I guess the question I have for you, and we were talking about this off air, does Tampa really think that the value of Dirk Cutter with Winston is so important that they fire Lovey and they give a, really a first or second year OC the head coaching job? Uh, is Dirk Cutter ready to take over the Tampa job? Mistake. Uh, this sounds like a Jason Garrett situation where Jerry Jones was so intent on keeping. We ended up paying him, and then and then uh, Bum Phillips's kid uh, Wade, Wade Phillips. Yeah, Wade yeah. was the coach for a while, but ultimately there was tension there. You always knew that Jason yeah. Garrett was the guy in training, and now Jason Garrett's had his time, and he's done nothing as a Cowboy. No, and Wade is coordinator, defensive coordinator of the year in Denver. Wade, yeah. <laughs> Wade's doing his thing. So, but but yeah. it's okay though. Maybe maybe that's what Wade Phillips is, right? A defensive coordinator. No, you're right. Of the day, right. Which is fine, but is this kid? I don't know. Is Dirk Cutter the man? I have no idea. All I do know is that this will be four coaches in six years, and Ugh. it will be James didn't Winston's give Lovey second a coach in his second year, yeah. and you win and the two games, light. then yeah. you win six games. You got to give him a third year, and maybe even a fourth. But you got to give him a third year. They were six and six at the twelve game mark, and then Vincent Jackson keeps getting hurt. He rejuvenated the running game. Your boy yeah. had a terrible season last year. Doug Martin now is all pro. He's first team all pro. He, he, you know, he's going to the Pro mm-hmm. Bowl. He's doing his thing. That defense, you know, is got McCoy some, and Levante David like him. They've got exactly. They've got some I, – I'm just really upset. Now, you can't play the race card there because they actually hired, you know, in their tenure, the Glazers hired um, Radio Raheem. Yeah, Boyd, I don't think it's about race. I don't think it's about race. I think it's about defensive coordinators are not really – or defensive-minded coaches sexy. are not being respected. They're not sexy. And I also think it's about except Rexy. Rexy's sexy. He bounced back and got himself because he's loud. Because he's loud. But I, I think Lovey is a good leader of men. I thought he did a great job in Chicago. Look, they've been having trouble in Chicago since they got rid of him. And you know, and that's why everybody know, was sometimes... so surprised with this one. Yeah, yeah. Now this one came out of left field. Um, any other jobs or positions that you think are sort of a line, well or a lock? Or do you think there could be more than seven? How about this? Does McCarthy or Marvin Lewis or any of these playoff coaches with a loss lose their job? I'm telling you, Marvin Lewis has never won. I don't, I don't think Marvin now, is. They just, I, now, listen, this I, is not the year because yeah, they no, announced No McCarron. Right, they yeah. announced that A.J. McCarron I mean, no is Dalton, yeah. Right, yeah. and Pittsburgh is a tough matchup for anybody this year. They're just crazy offensive prowess. Um, Mike McCarthy's not been doing, but how, but even we were talking about that too. What about Jeff Fisher? This guy's got like he's got like uh, some bad lives. pictures on the Rams owners. I don't think he's a great coach. <laughs> I really <laughs> think Jeff Fisher's done. He's done. A, he has not done a great job. No, and even I, uh, the the GM building that roster. They've had great draft picks, and their roster is just defensive heavy. 
And their defense I, is inconsistent. <laughs> no, I you know, can't. You I say can't, it's a top three defense, and they don't that. even, you know. So, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens with the Giants, the Eagles' job. I think, you know, I think this kid, Gaze, is, is you know, the Bronco and then now Bears coordinator, OC. I think he's going to get a job. We'll see. Um, I think the Lions, you know, they just got the Bob Quinn uh, from the Patriots as their GM, so hopefully he keeps Caldwell, Jim Caldwell, hopefully he gets a job. See, and that's where I don't think it's a race thing with Lovey, but I do think it's a race thing in the league because you've you got only four coaches now that are African-American, and, you know, it could very easily be Caldwell and Marvin Lewis going down, so you'd only have two. You know, I don't know, but we'll see. I, I'll say this. At the end of the day, I just want some new blood to get a chance, and I'm not upset if Dirk Cutter gets a chance because he's new blood. But I also like to see this guy, uh, Terrell Austin, get a job, the defensive coordinator for the Lions. He's been doing a good job for a bunch of years, been respected. Now he just seems to be the token interview for the Rooney thing. And I don't want him to just be a token interview. That's right. silly to me. That's, it's yeah. insulting. It is. It you is. Know? Now, some would argue that even if he is the token, it makes him better next year or the year after. He'll have his interviewing skills uh, you know, down, and he'll know exactly what it takes to become a head coach. But that, again, that, that's a little disrespectful. I mean, if the guy's qualified, then give him a real shot. Don't interview him because you need to put a well, check that's why you applaud the Steelers. The rule. Tomlin went in there and blew the Steelers away. That's why the rule is important because he had the chance, but they weren't thinking about hiring Tomlin. I mean, you remember the rumors at the time that he wasn't even a, who even knew Tomlin's name. You know, and so I think it's good to have the rule, but also you got to be open-minded. Don't just do it just because you're like, oh, I got to fill the requirement. You know what I mean? Anyway, it's time, man. Let's let's get into it. We got some history to talk about, but this is Wild Card Weekend, and we'll start with the AFC, the Saturday games. Saturday. And yes, sir. And we've got a fascinating matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs going to the Houston Texans. What do you think, man? Tell me tell me tell me some juicy tidbits about this game. What you think? Well, I gotta tell you. These Kansas City Chiefs to me are just so Ten in a row. Ten in a mm. row. I never would have predicted this. I totally, you know, give Give them credit because yeah, I kept telling this, you all year because you you were definitely not believing. I them. was down on them as soon as Jamal <laughs> Charles went down. I was like, they're done. They're like a four and twelve team. So I great give coaching them a job ton by the way of credit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. great coaching so, by Andy Reid. Yeah. So first thing, so yeah, so 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 this Kansas City team, I, look, I'd be disappointed in them if they didn't win the game because. You know, even though the game's being played in Houston, Houston's not a huge home field advantage. Uh, Kansas City's the better team on defense, even though Houston's defense has sparks. But Kansas City, you know, and, and love the return of Eric Berry and then uh, Ali and Houston. All pro. If, yeah. they're, if they're healthy, um, you know, they're the better defense. And then the offense, they don't make mistakes. And you know what? They're even better than we give them credit for. Right? We 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 kind of disrespect that offense, but Smith and Macklin, and and Ware and West and 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 those guys and Travis Kelsey, they can play. Oh yeah. And they don't. 
Andy Reid doesn't doesn't really take the reins off a lot, but when he does, they can put up some points. But let me give you a stat here, because our guy from from a couple weeks ago, Richard Rothschild, gave us some stats. So I'll give you one for each of these games. So the Kansas City Chiefs, remember how they used to be? They were good a long time ago. The last oh, yeah. time was 1993. Remember that team, Joe Montana, yep. and and our boy Marcus Allen and yeah, Marcus, Marcus Allen. Allen. So the last time they won a game was in '93 in Houston, 20 no less, 28-20, when the Houston Oilers was called the Houston Oilers. Love you, blue, right? Since then, right, the Chiefs have lost an NFL record eight straight postseason games. So it's interesting that they're coming in on a 10-game winning streak, but in the playoffs – Even to the Colts. Remember the lead they had on Andrew Luck oh, a couple years yeah, ago? they had a big that lead. That lead, it was like, what, 24 or something like that? And that, that was a high-scoring game, right? Wasn't that like 44-43 yeah. or something like that? Yeah, they had a huge lead and 45-44, that's right, 45-44. Yeah. They blew a 38-10 to 10 lead in that game. So yeah, yeah, but the prediction for me is pain. I think the, I think the Chiefs are just too much. They're the better team all around. I think they win pretty easily. I think they'll win something like uh, 27-17. 27-17. Well, I'll say this. You know, Macklin had a 1,000-yard season, eight touchdowns, so we don't have to hear about wide receivers not scoring again. You know, your boy Charkandrick off the bench had over 600 yards, and Alex Smith just keeps producing. 20 touchdowns, seven interceptions, over 3,800 yards. So I'll say this, he's not going to be outdone by Hoyer in this game. And Hoyer, you know, actually had equivalent stats in less games. You know, he had 2,600 yards, 19 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. And I think this comes down to those guys with turnovers and who's going to take a risk and who's going to make a mistake. I like the Chiefs defensively on each level. So their defensive line, their, you know, with Poe and, and, and those boys, Justin Houston, Tom Bali, uh, Peters and Barry on the back end, better than I like the Texans. The Texans are sort of, you know, merciless and, and, and top-heavy with uh, Clowney if he's healthy and playing and J.J. Watt and our boy from uh, the Patriots, the big boy in the middle. So I think the Chiefs are going to win this one, too. I think the Texans have had a great season. I love what Hopkins has done. Alfred Blue has been, you know, pretty solid once he finally, you know, got to get the, the, the role of starter. But I think the Chiefs, they just they just do a little bit too much. I think it might be more defensive than, than you might think. I'm going to say uh, 23-20. Kansas City wins with a late field goal. Okay. So next game is at 8-15 at Paul Brown Stadium. Here we go, Pittsburgh. Here we go. So to me, this is a simple game, too. I mean, A.J. McCarron is not the red rifle, and therefore Cincinnati's in trouble. I think that your Steelers can play on the road. I think they're going to have to make up for the we fact that we won in Cincinnati Brown, this year. Well, they beat Brown us at home, sugar, and we beat though. them at home. Yeah. Brown Sugar. Yeah, play. no, yeah, it's it's it's. How about this? It's our boy Fitzgerald Toussaint. 
take us to the promised land. Yeah, the Michigan product. But That's right. The only thing that I'll say for Pittsburgh is they've dealt with adversity. Le'Veon Bell went down last year exactly in this game. They know how to play without a running game. Todd Haley knows how to do it. Ben Roethlisberger knows how to do it. Those three wide receivers know how to do it. So if anybody can overcome, now I don't know if you can win four games, but to win this game without a running game and without D'Angelo, I think you'll be okay, especially given that Andy Dalton's not playing. I think A.J. Green is the one guy you need to be scared of. For some reason, that running back combination of uh, Bernard and Hill really hasn't clicked like it should have. I thought these two would be studs this year. Uh, But, you know, the three wide receivers are their assets, and and Tyler Eifert, although he's been banged up a little bit last few weeks. But I just don't look at A.J. McCarron as, even at home, being able to win a playoff game against the Steelers. So I think the Steelers win also pretty easily. I think the Steelers will put up 30, and they'll win 30-18. to Hmm. You know, I, I, I would have to agree with you. And, oh, you know, one interesting note, the Texans, Dwayne Brown is out. He has surgery on the quad. So that's another reason to even pick the Chiefs because the offensive line is not going to be what it was for Hoyer and for Alfred Blue. But back to the Steelers. Ben is healthy. When he played against Cincinnati, it was his first game back off an of injury. Sky didn't play a full season, almost had 4,000 yards passing. A lot of interceptions, but I think there were, you know, when he was injured, he had some tip balls, only 21 touchdowns, but 16 INTs. Not the best Ben year, but I think Ben is at a place now where he's a dominant quarterback and he can impose his will and have a 300-plus yard day very easily. And this is not – Ben Tate from last year. Fitzgerald Toussaint's been with the team all year. They have confidence in him. He knows the offense. He's game planned all week. You know, last year they signed Ben Tate last minute and were going with him. And it just, you know, and had somebody from the practice squad. So the Harris kid, it didn't work. I do think the only way Cincinnati can win this game is if they can have a dominant running game to keep the Steelers' offense off the field. And so what I think is going to happen is the Steelers are going to try to stop that running game, have the safety down, eight man in the box, and McCarron is going to have to beat them on the outside to Marvin Jones and A.J. Green. And that's where if McCarron can sort of step up and do something, the Bengals would have a chance. But I just think at the end of the day, McCarron is going to get picked off, and I don't think he'll be able to outscore Big Ben. So I think this one's going to have some points to it, and I think we wind up winning this game. A little different scoring because, you know, we like to go for two sometimes. The Steelers win 29-24 over the Bengals. Wow, you got the Bengals scoring 24. That's interesting. And your stat of the game or your interesting note of the game is that the Bengals, remember Ah, how we said Marvin Lewis has never won a playoff game. So their last playoff win came in 1990. It was 41-14 over those Houston Oilers again back in I our remember that. segment. And he's on six, Marvin. <laughs> yeah, and the interesting thing after that is that Cincinnati went on the next week to play the L.A. at the time, L.A. Raiders, and they lost to the Raiders 
in a game that saw Bo Jackson's career end on that weird Ooh. tackle where he pulled out his hip. Yes, we socket. remember that. So that was 1990, the last time. Remember, because they won the Super Bowl, the Bengals did in 81 and then in 89. So they were on, you know, doing the icky shuffle in 89 Mm -hmm. and then in 90. But that was the last time Cincinnati's won a playoff game, a long time. It's been a minute. So let's go to the NFC on Sunday, and it might be zero, and it might be one degrees, but what it's going to be is freezing cold. Beast Mode is back. We'll see how good he looks. Adrian Peterson's a little banged up with his back, but he's ready to go. And I think the whooping that the Seahawks put on the Vikings the last time they played one, the Vikings defense wasn't all healthy. Now, we don't know if Joseph, the defensive lineman, is going to be 100% or fully playing. But I think, honestly, that whooping, the Vikings could say they're a totally different team. But the Seahawks didn't forget that whooping. And I think the Seahawks, to me, are going to make the game in Teddy B's hands. And Bridgewater is going to have to push it down the field and get – to Patterson and Diggs and to Rudolph in the middle of the field and really challenge these receivers and safeties one-on-one. And I just don't know how they're going to drum up offense. It's going to be cold. I think Russell Wilson, who has the highest passer rating from the pocket this year, just had an incredible MVP-type season. He'll be top three, I think, or at least four in the voting. And I think it's his time to shine again. I love Teddy B and the Vikings for getting there. I think they'll scrap a little bit in the first half. And that sun will keep them warm a little bit on the side of the field for the first half. And then it will go down and they'll be equally as cold as the Seahawks. And I think the Seahawks win, cover the spread. I think they're favored by five or something or three, whatever it is. But the Seahawks win this game, kind of an ugly game. I'll say 17-10. Oh, wow. You only have 27 total points, so you're taking the under in this game. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not going to be. Seattle's the better version of Minnesota. They're better on offense. They're better on defense. Um, They have been, anyway, the last – Four or five uh, weeks ever since Russell Wilson went on his, you know, unbelievable tear. I think actually Minnesota, you could argue, has more offensive talent, but Seattle is executing better, and I think that they're a little predictable in the running game. I'll tell you what could happen if Adrian Peterson can impose his will and you can mm. bang it down the Seattle Seahawks' throat. I think they'll get. That's the shot they have. I don't think it'll happen, but I think if they do, that could be very discouraging. You have to have an all-time legendary performance from AP for the for the Vikings to win this one. I don't know about all-time legend. I mean, I think if if he goes, you know, twenty-five for one twenty-five and and two touchdowns, I think that's that's great. I mean, that that's he doesn't need to run for two hundred, but I just think they just need to impose their will because it's outdoors in Minnesota. I just don't think that's happening, though. I think Seattle is too good. I think they're on a roll. They figured out how to play without Max Unger and Jimmy Graham. Russell Wilson can beat you from the pocket, outside the pocket. Beast mode, I think, will will not really contribute that much this week. I think next week will be his week. week. Next week, It's hard to come back. 
you know, and contribute immediately, especially against a good, very good uh, Minnesota Vikings defense who are coming off of, yeah. you know, shutting down the Packers. So I do think it's also going to be low scoring. I just don't see Minnesota scoring much at all. So I, I see 24-13. So I think all three games so far are blowouts. Now, quickly to, to keep the show moving, where do the Vikings play? Minnesota, outside. Where, does, where do the Seahawks play? Seattle, outside. Seattle. So two outdoor <laughs> teams. Well, this year the two outdoor teams. So a couple of interesting yeah. stats. One, Minnesota and Seattle have never played each other. Nope. Seattle was in a AFC a team. playoff game in any sport, in any of the major sports, they've never played in the playoffs. So that was pretty interesting. Mm, not even the Twins yeah. and Mariners, eh? Yep. The other interesting stat is this will be the Vikings' first home playoff game that they played outdoors. Remember, because they were in the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome since yeah, and the new stadium's coming next year. Six with yes. Ahmad Rashad. Ahmad Rashad. I remember them. Oh my that. God! So they won, and they beat the L.A. Rams to then remember go on to the Super Bowl. And lose to John Madden, and mm-hmm. in '76, and, and the Raiders, yeah. and the Ra- the Raiders. That's when the Raiders finally broke through, and they beat the Steelers. After the Steelers had, you know, got to the Super Bowl and beat the Cowboys. Yeah, I yeah. remember. Immaculate reception the year before. They finally beat them, mm-hmm. and then they go out and beat the Vikings in that. And Super Ken Bowl. Stabler, who we forgot to mention, this year is on the ballot, and I think he gets in. You know, rest in peace to Ken Stabler, veterans but I think he gets in. in to the Hall of Yeah, veterans are going to put him in. And also Eddie D. DeBartolo. Uh, DeBartolo, um, yeah. As the contributor, yeah. So let's talk about this final game, Ray. Redskins are hosting the Packers. I, I kind of teased it on our last show. I Listen. I'm going to say it quick and simple. Everybody is thinking that the Packers will get the ship right against these Redskins, and they're even favored. Vegas is like, ah, come on, whatever. Don't believe in the Redskins. You like that, and I'm telling you, you better like what the Redskins are doing because at home they're a different team. Jamison Crowder is going to do it up. Jordan Reed, you might see Deshaun Jackson deep. Pierre probably won't drop him like he usually does. And I just think the Packers are not right. And I, you don't just get right in one game and pushing a switch and you're on the road. It's not the defense isn't right either. Redskins win a good game. Your boy Aaron Rodgers tries his best, three touchdowns, but he gets that interception that holds them off. And I say the Redskins win 27-26 field goal end of the game. They win the game. Well, to me – Kirk Cousins is the key to this game to be able to recognize the blitzes, recognize Green Bay's defense, and I think Green Bay has something up their sleeve. I don't think they'll right the ship and look great, but I think they'll do enough to go into Washington and beat the Redskins. I think you need to be there and have that playoff experience, and Washington, this collection of players doesn't really have that, and the Green Bay Packers, a lot of them still are on some winning teams. Interesting stat, which is not our stat of the game. I'll give that to you in a sec. But I think Brett Favre, uh, Brett Favre, sorry, Aaron Rodgers is only two and four in his last six playoff games. So 
Yeah, even when and Mike McCarthy's Jordy been Nelson, doing bad. Yeah, yeah. Even when he had Jordy Nelson, and even when he had all of his players, he hasn't been playing that well. So think about it. Since that Super Bowl run, when they beat my Steelers and they went from the wild card, they've really not won anything in the playoffs. No, Remember when they, they were fifteen won. and one? They got upset. I mean, they they've really struggled. So. They have, they have. But so I think they win the game. I think it's a close game. I think the other three games are blowouts, actually. But I think you're this a Cowboy is be a close fan. Game. That's why you're going against the Redskins. Oh come on now! I call it like <laughs> no. I see it. So I, I think I think they win a close game here. I'll call it twenty-four twenty-one. Pack. Now quickly, the stat of the game here is that. These two franchises, the Redskins and the Packers, have been part of the NFL since 1933. And they've only played in the playoffs three times. And the last time they played was in 1972. So even though these two have both been NFC We don't remember that one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So interesting stat there. I think the Packers win. You think the Redskins win. That's the only one we disagree about. It is. It definitely is. And I'll tell you this, it's going to be a great, uh, you know, next weekend is probably our favorite for the NFL playoffs, but this will be fun. Quickly, college hoops, you know, the great game this week, Kansas, you know, beating Oklahoma in a triple overtime. The only real top 25 matchup is I think it's the Villanova-Butler game. So, there's, you know, there's not much. There could be some, some upsets. Um, I think, you know, Maryland will probably move up to number two with Oklahoma dropping down. And um, I don't know. Could, I could see Oklahoma staying there, you know, losing in triple overtime on the road. I'm just saying I'm playing devil's two. advocate. No, they won't stay two. They'll stay in the top five. I mean, because they also just came off the Iowa State win last week. But I think Maryland will move up to number two. Look, if Maryland wins at Wisconsin – and it's not the same, you know, Wisconsin. But if they win that game, I think, you know, they should be okay. And it'll be interesting to see Villanova against, uh, you know, Butler in terms of, you know, the, the, the rank, you know, rank teams and rank games. And also uh, Jim Beheim's return. So Jim Beheim is back off his suspension. They're hosting our Tar Heels. Carolina, so that should be fun baby. for Syracuse. Yeah, against North Carolina. I don't think Syracuse is the team that, Everybody thought they might be. They, I think they're going to kind of struggle this year. So, And then also you'll get Michigan State at Penn State. So we'll see how that turns out. The NBA, of course, we got Duran and Kobe if they're going to play tonight. And you got the Cavs and the T-Bulls. We'll see Wiggins against LeBron. So that should be fun. Obviously, the, the, the Cavs are still up at top, Ray, 24-9. and nine. Um, You know, you, you got to be impressed with them. The Bulls are in second, Heat third. Toronto fourth. It looks like you know things are shaping up in the East. You know the right rifle spots. Uh, yeah, a little crazy fifth. in the first couple of weeks. And yeah, was up oh, yeah. There and, but now I think the cream is rising to the top. No, no, definitely. And the Pacers are six, uh, seven Pistons, and eight Magic. You know, Celtics are right there at nine. Our Knicks are not playing bad. We're the tenth seed, and you know we're, we're right there at less at eighteen and nineteen. They're having a darn good season, more wins than last year. And then in the West, you know, all you can say is Golden State, you're amazing, but the Spurs are right behind you. Just three games out, six losses. They're, what, 31-6, and six, and the Warriors 33-2. and two. You can't – can they keep this going? I mean, really, can they? 
I, why not? I mean, at first I said no, but but why not? I mean, at a certain point they'll hit the wall, but it's not coming soon. They're young, they're talented. Your boy Draymond Green looks like he might be. He wants to be an All Star starter, but I think it's tough this year. He's because Kobe, he's great though. Yeah, Kobe's yeah, getting all the great. votes for the guards. Yeah, well, Kobe's Curry. going in. Kobe's going in, I think, as a forward. Oh, that's right, as a forward. That's right, as a forward. He's taking one of the spots. That's the thing. He and Kevin Durant are taking the two spots. Yeah, him and Durant. Yeah. And then Kawhi Leonard and Draymond Green are are fighting it out. Well, they'll get voted in. They'll be voted in. Oh, they'll get voted in. I mean, it's strictly for the starter. You saw Steph Curry is going to play with a shin guard. Your boy Jordan Crawford, I'm I'm reading, scored. Did you hear that? 72 in China. In China. And lost. And they had 104 Uh points. (laughs) <laughs> they lost 113 to 104, and look out! The Sacramento Kings are trying to get close to that eighth seed in the West, 15 and 21, and the Jazz are slipping with Favors and Gobert out. They're 15 and 20. You feel bad for the Jazz because they already had Exum out, and now Favors and Gobert out for it seems like a long period of time. Bledsoe's out for the season for Phoenix, so we'll we'll definitely talk some more NBA soon and get just your hyped up. Just as we end, we just, I just want to throw a quick shout-out to Brad Stevens. Did you see what he did? He oh, left the game, yes, didn't play right. in the Bulls, yes. didn't coach in the Bulls game. To see his center, yeah. his boy, 25 years old, man. Yeah, that's, that's, that's too young. great. Not Hopkins, lymphoma. Uh, it's uh, that's Very a tough sad. That's a tough one. He's Andrew Smith. No, we wish great. him all the best. Great job yeah, from Brad Stevens. Coach, Steve. right? He was his college coach, and he went to be by his side in the hospital as he's battling that's, with cancer. That's what coaching's all about. You know, you're like a father, a teacher, you're everything. So props to Brad Stevens because that shows class. He's a, a great coach and a, and a great guy. Look, it's going to be a great sports weekend. Remember, the Saturday games, what, it starts at 4 Eastern, so don't forget, because, you know, people are not used to these schedules. you got to, you know, get ready. Sunday starts at 1, I think 105, so it's a regular schedule. But Saturday is 4 and then 8, and you got the first game is on uh, ABC or ESPN or a combination of both. I think it's on ABC. Yeah. ABC. So, And did you hear ESPN? They're talking about uh, this whole college football, $20 million, wanting to get some money back because the ratings were so bad. Well, guess what? Don't be so arrogant, uh, college football, and switch the scheduling. And ESPN should have August, you know, bargained for control of that, that they are not going to change American history and make New Year's Eve a football tradition. It's not going to happen. So yeah, stop I mean, it. <laughs> exactly. We I mean, said that at the beginning day, of the season. We're like, people know, people are programmed for best college football on New Year's Day. Remember, the, they used to have the Orange Bowl and uh, the Rose we used to love Bowl, it. and the, the Fiesta Bowl, and the yeah. Cotton Bowl. And, you know, remember Keith Jackson, the granddaddy of them all. That was one New Year's Day. Sugar Stop Bowl at night. The Sugar Bowl was always at night, yeah. No, they they messed it up, and this year they could have done it January 2nd, and it would have been perfect. Next year it's going to be New Year's Eve again, and then the year after that it's on January 1st. But it's a mistake, and they should not stick with next year being New Year's Eve because the ratings are going to be down again, and you're going to lose more money. So fix it. <laughs> hey, exactly. Dude. So anyway, great show, great sports weekend, and listen, enjoy it. And life is rough. Enjoy some sports. Have some fun. Thanks for listening. Talking sports is great. Sports weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Peace. With our college football national championship preview.